Hello everyone, welcome back to Thoughts and Tea here on Radio Africa 1804. I am your host, Lori Lee. Um, and I feel like I say this every week, but I really have been looking forward to, to today's show. Um, one of the things that's always top of mind for me as I prepare for each episode or even um, talk through ideas with friends and family about, you know, what would make a great topic is, you know, is it going to be something that listeners and myself even can learn from? Um, and can it be discussed and shared and talked about in a way that um, that everyone is open to really hearing? And for me, I think, and as you can see, just with the the conversation series and what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks, um, one of the ways that I think is the most effective is just through storytelling. You know, you there's something about when someone opens up and shares part of their story, their life, their experience in such a honest and vulnerable way that makes whoever is listening just um, really, really able to kind of soak it up as a sponge and learn from it, right? As opposed to talking about these things from um, from the perspective of an outsider or, or just presenting it in that kind of way and not making it personal. I think that makes it harder, right, for people to get into it, for people to really put themselves in that person's shoes and empathize with them. So I really love when um, I can and when, more importantly, my guests can share their story, you know, something that is personal to them, their experience, and really open up. And um, the feedback that we've been getting just even from last week's episode about parenting during COVID and just figuring things out as we go and adjusting, I feel like you get such real conversations from it, you know, when you're talking about it after hearing someone's story, after hearing someone's perspective. So I'm a really, really big um, advocate of storytelling. I think it's a great way to build relationships. I think it's a great way to to learn, um, to get us to understand each other, to get us to be able to empathize with one another. So I, I, I love sharing stories and I, I'm, I've always been open um, with my family and my friends about sharing my story and now with Thoughts and Tea, um, sharing it with, with all of our listeners. So I say all of that to say um, that I'm really excited about today's guest and um, what we wanted to talk about today is co-parenting, right? Like we see so often on TV this like horrible image of um, you know, black families whose parents are no longer together, and it's it's uh, one sided, right? Like you, either the dad is no longer in the picture, maybe the mom, you know, is angry that the dad has moved on, and so she's keeping him away from his kids. Like these are the stories that are being told to us, but they're not they're not our real stories. And yeah, maybe they do happen, but there are so many more. I think beautiful stories of parents being able to figure it out, you know, coming to a decision to say, 
we don't work together, but these are our kids and we're still parents and we can still do this together and do an amazing job. And I think that's a story that we need to hear more often. So um, Trish Lacey is our guest today and she is kind enough to share her story with us. So I'm really excited. Trish, welcome to Thoughts and Tea. Thank you so much, Lori. Um, I cannot tell you how excited I am to be here with you today and share a little bit about my journey. Um, it absolutely takes a lot to be vulnerable, but I do hope that this helps someone else push through if they're going through something similar. And I just want to make sure that this is clear that I'm highlighting my journey. Um, this is in no way um, to bring negative light towards my end. But be honest about that if it starts to deviate in that way. So this is probably going to be a real conversation that you're having, and I'm really excited to do that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so let's start off with this. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and, and kind of where you are now, how, how your story has played out? Sure. So I'm 40 years old, and I have a beautiful 10-year-old daughter who is my everything, and married for nearly 15 years until it abruptly ended in 2018. Um, there is really no one reason why the marriage ended. Um, and again, there were issues such as like trust, communication, there was infidelity, uh, finances, family, you know, bonus children. Those were some of the major contributors to our, separ- our separation, but um Ultimately, for me, the final straw was when I began to question my worth, and I started to feel invisible. And at times, I would sit in my driveway when I came home from work because I did not want to go inside my home. Um, It was apparent to me then that changes were needed. I had sporadic thoughts for years about ending the relationship. But, of course, you're married. You're in this together. So death do us part. I felt like I could handle this. And I became really, really good at smiling through the pain and putting my feelings on the back burner because my partner many times just wasn't open to the dialogue. Um, There are points within the marriage that I would send emails to him just to put out there how I was feeling. And still often those concerns went unaddressed. And so that's kind of what brought me here. I love that. I think um, one of the things you said that really stuck out to me is you know, that when you get to that point where you're really losing yourself, you know, you can't recognize yourself anymore. And I think that's, you know, just through talking with people, that's such a common feeling in relationships. Not to say that it means the relationship has to end, but I think that that's something that happens, right? Like you start spending all this time together and doing everything together and you start playing roles in the relationship that aren't necessarily who you are. Um, I've been there before. I know that feeling. And it's it's a tough, it's a really, really hard conversation that you A, have to have with yourself, B, have with your partner when you say, you know, is, is it worth it to either one of us to keep this going? Um, so I, I, I want to know from you, you know, what... Like, you know, you said you spent some those times, like, in your car, not going into your home. When was it that it really, really clicked for you? And what was that conversation like, first with yourself and then with your partner? So the conversation with me at first is when there's times where we would have the family members 
um, in our home. And I felt as though not only did they, but not only my my partner at the time, I felt unappreciated. I felt it resented. Um, and I felt like I was doing everything that I could to support the family, but I felt like I was alone. Mm-hmm. So you could be in a room in a home full of people and still feel like you're absolutely by yourself. Oh, yeah. so I was completely lonely. I felt like I was invisible and I just wasn't a part of the dynamic in the in my own home. And so that was one of the the moments where I looked in the mirror and was like, What are you doing? Yeah. And it was one of those things where my daughter, she's she's a little bit more mature for her age and she's very in tune to me. She would look at me and say, Mommy, why are you sad? And I, I would tell her, I'm not sad, you know, I'm I'm doing great and I'm smiling, but she's like, I see it in your eyes. And those things are those moments that really impact me because I always have wanted to be an example for her. And if she sees these little things that I think are not visible to anyone, I had to make, I mean, had to make some changes. Yeah, I can understand that. And so what, what was your first step? Well, my first step was we had that conversation. I had a a conversation with her sort of trying to figure out what her thoughts were on, you know, breakups and the the minds of friendships and how she relates to that as a child, just trying to get her to see the dynamics of relationships and how imperfect they are. Um, I think a lot of times because of who we were, there was an image of of perfection, so to speak. You know, we were that couple that we smiled a lot, loved to be around people, um, but there was always a perception that the marriage was perfect and, you know, everything was okay. Mm. So really just putting her in a state of mind that, you know, not everyone's perfect. Mommy is human. She makes mistakes. So does daddy. And, you know, our lives could potentially change. And then um, my ex and I had that conversation. Of course, it was an emotional one. And, you know, we, we separated at that point. Um, so from there, we really made a conscious effort to make sure that we took care of our daughter in a way that we were able to address her emotional concerns that she had and her state of mind mm-hmm. by putting her into therapy, like, almost immediately. And the same thing went for myself. I really felt like I needed some support and I needed some help because I had lost my identity. I really didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I liked to do, but I was in a really dark place. It's nothing like knowing you're doing the right thing for you, not sure if it's the right thing for your family, um, but you're confident in the decisions that are made and where you are in life, but you're still in a really dark place. So I did seek out some, some help for that as well. Yeah, I think, um, you know, divorce is, is such a big thing or, or any breakup, any breakup when you've been together a really long time. I think there's this thing that has to happen afterwards, like this uh, rediscovery of yourself and maybe not who you were prior to the relationship, but who you are now. And Absolutely. right. Don't you think like you, you end up it's so important to spend time with yourself and um, rediscover the things you like, the things you don't like, because there's so much yeah. that happens when you're together with someone that it just becomes something that you guys do, and you don't even, you know, there's no real thought to say, like, do I even enjoy doing this? Like, it just becomes a routine. 
Um, absolutely. Right? And I would say, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm absolutely not blaming my ex or anyone else directly for the end of my marriage. I mean, if anything, I'm the person who should have been more vocal about my needs from the get-go. I'm the one who compromised myself at every turn. I'm the one who got lost. I was not taking care of me. And I also think the fact that I got married at a very young age, I got married at 24. So I think that had a lot to do with it. And myself was eight years my senior. So I was still growing up and turning into the woman that I am today. And I think those changes in the evolution of all of it um, is really, it impacted the marriage. Definitely. It's, it's, um, it's a process and it's so hard. I think, you know, when we're getting into these relationships, when we're young, like you still haven't figured out who you are going to be at that point, right? Like you're just who you are at the time in your twenties. And, um, by the time you start to live some life and decide where you want to go, what you want to do that relationship may not be the best for you anymore. And you're right. It's not to say that the person did something wrong because maybe he's just being who he's supposed, you know, who he's supposed to be. Um, right. And I, I love that you own that because I think it's super easy um, to leave a relationship and blame everything on the other person. When the truth is, you know, my mom always this is like one of her sayings that is my favorite like wherever you are in life you made an appointment to be there you had to have had some kind of role to play in um where you are at that moment and so Mm -hmm. owning that and like you said seeking the help however you know makes sense for you for me I agree therapy has been um life-changing but it's it gives you that time to figure out okay like what did I do Right. Like it's I need to look at me. It takes a lot of self-reflection um, to, to, uh, to come out on the other side. Absolutely. You're correct in that. And, uh, and, and therapy itself was, um, you know, very eye opening. You go in. I went in specifically for one reason. And it was because I was completely lost. You know, I've been in this place for about 15 years and had grown up through that relationship beginning at age 24. And what do I do now? Like I've been living with someone else for this entire time. So I go back to being alone and relying on myself for most everything. And I wasn't sure that I was prepared to do all of that. And so in my case, I feel like I had the best support system with my family and my friends and of course my therapist who is so amazing I think I've referred her to everyone I know (laughs) but she she literally pulled me out of the ditch that I was in out of the darkness that I was in broke me down and rebuilt me and I did not believe that I am as strong and as capable as I am today and I probably wouldn't have realized that had it not been for her Sometimes it takes someone that doesn't know you, right? Like you mentioned your support system. I'm sure they were telling you how strong you were, right? I'm sure everyone was telling you how awesome you are and you could figure this out. But there's something about someone who doesn't know any of the players in your story helping you figure yourself out. Oh, yeah. She's brutally honest. She'll give you that tough love that you need, give you that kick in the butt and tell you, like, this is your fault and what could you have done differently and what are you going to do now 
And I love and appreciate that about her. Yeah, that's really big. So let me ask you this. How old was your daughter um, when you got your divorce? She was eight at that time. She was eight. And she was eight when we and so you said that you wanted to put her in therapy right away. What were you seeing from her? Like, I, I know as difficult as divorce is for the parents, it's, you know, equally as hard for the kids. Yeah, it was very difficult for her to comprehend. And a lot of that is because, like, as I mentioned earlier, there were really no indicators to anyone outside of our home that there were issues. Mm. And I think that was a a challenge for everyone around us to comprehend. Like there wasn't a point where we were vocally sharing with other people. We had problems. And so when the news broke, not only to our daughter, but to our friends and our family, no one understood how we had reached this point. And so the situation now is still very challenging. Um, and so we, we just have to sit down with her and, um, had that conversation and our downfall was that we had we each had the conversation separately um with our kids and at different times so there was never really a united front mm. and i think that was because there were emotions were really high and one party was eager to tell their side of the story if that makes sense but you know that was irrelevant but we we agreed immediately to place her into therapy to help her get through this astronomical change that she was about to experience in her life yeah, that's really big. So what was, like, what was parenting like immediately following? I'm sure it got better as time went on, but initially, how, how was that for you? Oh, it was extremely difficult. Um, we we did the responsible thing by seeking out our marriage counselor at that time to talk about co-parenting and custodial arrangements, what that looked like um, at the initial point of separation. And, you know, those meetings were productive, very emotionally driven as to be expected. Um, but we, all, we always had one goal in mind, and that was to be amicable and to be good co-parents to our child. And so that was kind of how it started. And once we were able to figure out that we're going to do the co-parenting situation where it's one week on, one week off. So that means that one week she spent with me and then she would stay with him for one week. Everything else kind of sort of fall, it fell into place. So I'm not going to say it was seamless and not without its hiccups. I mean, we still have hiccups today, but I truly believe and I know for a fact the effort is there it's just we still have those scenarios where you have emotions and you know residual hurt and you have you know because trust was an issue before the marriage ended there's it kind of trickles over and bleeds into conversations when it comes to co-parenting so it's it's an evolution we're working through that still currently yeah I would imagine it's something that's always evolving always changing um, so let me ask you this, like you, you mentioned like getting to this, this arrangement, it was like one week with you, one week, um, with, with her father. What was like, I, I just, I'm so curious, like, how do you come to that decision? Right. Cause I'm thinking, what about holidays? Like, what does that mean for summer vacation? What is that? Like, how, what were those conversations <laughs> like? Well, you know, we, we really wanted to, we started off as friends, Lori. So my intent, too, was to make sure that she didn't go through anything that I went through. I am a product of divorced parents. 
And when I went through, when I got married, if it never worked out, my intent was to never be in a position where my child felt as though I felt a certain way, not in a positive way about her her father. Mm -hmm. So for me, the intentional goal was always to co-parent and somehow find their way back to being friends. Um, so that we could work together to make sure that she had the best life and she didn't have to feel as though she had to choose sides. Um, and, you know, we're still we're still working through that. Um, but it was a challenge for her in, in the beginning. She never really felt like she had a place. She would stay one week with me, and then she would stay one week with her father. And I think a lot of times with her father, she wanted to come back to me midway through because she was worried about her mom. Yeah. She's always really close with me. But at some point, we have to get strong and say, hey, listen, this is what the agreement is. You're going to have to stay there. And you, so essentially, you have two homes now. So you're not really losing out. You know, you have two homes. No, we're not together. But we love you equally all the same. So you have just as much love as you did when we were together. Yeah, I think that's, like, for myself, when I think about my friends who... Um, you know, whose parents were divorced or, you know, had some kind of separation. Um, I, I remember just conversations or comments as we were kids, just, you know, thinking of what you just said, like them feeling like they had to choose. And I think as you get older, obviously you would learn that, you know, you, do, you absolutely do not have to choose. But as a kid, that is definitely a thought. And you know, how do you, as a woman, right, who is, has feelings and emotions, rightfully so, about having a marriage that, that did not work out, how do you keep those two things separate, right? Because like you said, you can't speak about her father in a negative way in front of her because that will obviously make her feel like she has to choose sides. So how do you, as a, as a, you know, like that woman part of you that is maybe disappointed in how your marriage worked out, keep that so separate from your, your daughter. I think it's harder when it's a daughter, right? And you guys are close. What was that like for you? To me, that was sort of like a natural transition for us. It was a struggle for her initially because her thing was mom is changing. And, of course, mom has changed. Mom is hurt. She's evaluating her life. She is transitioning. You know, I'm transitioning on my own due to this. And so, of course, I'm a little bit harder on her. I'm a little bit more uh, critical of things in life in general because in my mind, I was in this place that I never expected to be in, and I'm, I'm thinking the only person that I can rely on at this point is myself. Mm-hmm. You can't rely on anyone else other than yourself. And so I'm trying to instill that strength and that resilience in her that maybe I had never really truly focused on before. But now it's like my ultimate goal is to make sure she's a strong black woman and she's reliant and self-sufficient and she believes that she's amazing and she's fearless and she's brave and all these things that we probably never focused on before. And she's the whole while like, Mom, it's just, she's really different. And so that was, a for me, the hardest thing is not just for her, but for everyone around me to transition and understand the changes that I was going through as a person. That makes a lot of sense. And so did, did you feel like you had, 
was it hard to explain it to your friends and family or did they did they kind of get it right away and give you the support that you needed I'm gonna be honest with you and tell you that I still struggle with that yeah I am an introvert um I love spending time alone and for me that is when I get the opportunity to recharge and rejuvenate myself so that I can go out and do things and be fresh and be strong and just be you know, more focused. And for me, it was always like, you're not the person that you were. You used to be more organized. You used to be more this and more that. And I'm transitioning. I'm changing. I am going through something. And the person that I am today, obviously, it's not the person I was a year ago or two years ago. But the great thing is I truly am in love with who I am right now for the very first time. Forty years. I love the person that I'm becoming. And so I think that it is just, it's going to take time for everyone else to accept and appreciate the growth and to appreciate the self-acceptance and the self-love that I have now um, that I didn't have before. And which is a motivator for me and it helps me to help her. So I think she benefits from the change. She may not see it now, mm-hmm. but in future years, she will absolutely see it, and she will see that she is light. She can bring light to others, and like I felt about myself, you are stronger than you think, and you can get through this. Yeah, I think, like, I I, I was in a relationship for 10 years that ended, um, and it, coming out of that, the amount of time I had to spend with myself, like, like, you know, like we mentioned earlier, like figuring yourself out, figuring out what you like, relearning yourself. That's a process. And then another process is now trying to get everybody else to accept and adjust to who you are now, right? Because they're so used to who you were when you were in that relationship. And Absolutely. it's it's hard. It's, it's You wouldn't think of it like when you're thinking of a breakup or a divorce, you know, the immediate thing is, okay, the relationship is over. That's the hard part. You know, not having that person around anymore, adjusting to all these things. But there are so many layers because every, especially when it's a long relationship or a marriage, everyone around you is used to you being a certain way. And like you mentioned earlier, if you were in a situation where no one outside of your house even knew that there were issues in the marriage, it makes it that much harder for them to understand what's going on and then for them to then accept that you want to make some changes, that there are some things you want to do differently to get yourself to a happy place. It's it's an adjustment for everybody. Like, it, it just has ripple effects. Yeah, it affects the entire family yeah. on both sides. Yep, you're absolutely right. For sure. So, in... Um, Looking back, you know, I know you talked about that initial conversation that you guys had, um, you know, you did it separately. Other than that, are there are there any other things that you think you should have done differently? I think for me, I could have personally done a better job of communicating my wants and needs. I think I was so passive in the relationship most of the time because I was so young. And, you know, my partner was eight years my senior. Mm-hmm. So a- absolutely, in the early, be- in the beginning stages of that, I-, I looked to 
him for guidance. I looked to him for most things until I was comfortable in making those decisions on my own. And I think once I was more comfortable doing that, and I started to grow and I started to thrive professionally and, you know, in all areas around me, I think that the dynamic between me and him changed because I was no longer that individual um, that I was at the age of 24. Mm-hmm. So if anything, it was clearly explaining the transition and me not repressing my feelings for the benefit of someone else. Yeah. And that's the thing I think we do a lot sometimes in a relationship. Like you, it's not not even something spoken. I don't want to say assume. I was going to say you assume the person would react X, Y, Z way. But sometimes it's not even that. Like sometimes you're, it's so unconscious that you don't speak up and you don't say the things that you need. Um, And later on, obviously that comes back to bite you a little bit. But the reality is you never even gave that person a chance to respond to what those wants and needs were. That, for me, was one of the things I had to really, really, like, look at myself for, right? Like, you get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm not happy about this, and I wish this was different, and I wish that was different. But did I ever actually say it? You know, did I say it along the way? And for me, I feel like I communicated it at times, but because of the fact that I felt that those concerns were dismissed, I never was my own advocate any further. Mm. I was just used to caring for other individuals, knowing that my spouse at the time was non-confrontational. Um, I kind of went along with things inside, resenting everything, um, which is not fair, which isn't right, but I was resenting presenting everything, feeling unappreciated, feeling, uh, like I said, like I was invisible in my home. I'm continually caring for everyone around me, but yet no one can see how unhappy I am. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge concern for me. Um, But that was no one's fault but my own. Yeah. But I think it's amazing that you can own that. That's, That's really hard. Um, and I think that realization comes with a lot of work. Um, and so I, I commend you for that. Cause I think that, you know, f- like I said, for myself, that's something that I had to really look at. We all have to look at the roles we play in situations. It's not, the other person may not be great or they may have had some really bad moments and said things they shouldn't have said, done things they shouldn't have did, but we are in control of our lives, right? So we have to look at at what we did. And I think what's amazing about your story is, you know, you mentioned your daughter looking at you saying, Mommy, why are you sad? Is she now gets to see you in this new light, right? Like in a different space um, and more in tune with who you are, what your wants and needs are. And that's the example that you're setting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's hard. Sorry, go ahead. Makes me very proud of her as well because she's very perceptive and she wants to to be helpful and she wants to... But my only thing is that I didn't want her to feel like she had to take care of me. Mm -hmm. So I I put forth that extra effort to demonstrate to her that, yeah, I'm totally happy now. And she sees that. She comments on how happy she thinks that I am. 
but I'm also clear with her to say like every day is not perfect. Every day is not without its its conflicts or its complications. But what it is is what do you do as a person to push yourself through those those challenges and those scenarios? I'm a firm believer in I, I met someone very special to me and has made a significant impact on my life who's very positive and um, encouraged me to read The Secret. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with that. Yeah. And I started journaling and doing thoughts of gratitude and reading a book every day. It's called The Language of Letting Go. It's about one page a day. And it really has changed my life. So I think about things in a way that's more positive now. And I know that if I think about it in this way, that is what's going to happen for me. Those are the things that are going to manifest for me, whatever it is I put out there. And I'm also trying to instill that in her. So even though yesterday may have been a bad day with her dad and we had a disagreement yesterday about co-parenting because it's always evolving and it's never perfect, I am hopeful that tomorrow will be a better day. And that's so important. You know, like our thoughts have so much power. So, so, Uh so much power. And if before you even do something, you're already thinking about all the ways it can go wrong, you're setting yourself up to go in that direction, right? Not to say that if you think of everything positively, everything will be rosy every day. I know that's not realistic, but I do think it impacts the outcome. It does. It absolutely does. Yeah. And so what is... um, your daughter's relationship like with her dad? That is evolving as well. I think the biggest change is when we were together, I was sort of a buffer between her and her dad. So, you know, mom takes care of everything for the most part. Um, If there's ever a conflict, I'm in the middle of trying to resolve it, you know, being the peacemaker, so to speak, and helping everything to just run smoothly. Mm -hmm. And since the breakup, you know, she's had to learn to deal with these situations on her own and I've had to learn not to intervene so her and that's been the hardest thing for me is not intervening um so you know she could have you know a misunderstanding and and that's okay um with his parenting style and not suggesting that there's anything wrong with it but she may have issue with it and the difference is she doesn't have me within the home to alter the outcome yeah the outcome is what it is that's his household you're there you're his child and what happens there unless it's something completely off the wall you and your dad have to work through those issues and I'm here to listen to you but I am also that mom will tell you when you're wrong and that's a different that's a different scenario for her yeah so that's really interesting uh, and something I hadn't thought about so obviously as two individual people you each have your own styles for parenting but when you're in the house together there's some kind of compromise that happens and then when you're apart you kind of you know not necessarily go back but you have the freedom and the space to really do things in your style and so yeah that I would imagine that it it can be hard because she's probably used to well you know this is how mommy does things and You know, so that's 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 an interesting dynamic that I hadn't thought of. Yeah, it, it can be a challenge for children. And, and there's also that, that perspective and thing that kids do. They try to, you know, pit one parent against the other when they're not together or 
they try to figure out ways to get you back together. And, you know, those are all things that I think separated or divorced uh, individuals, they go through that with their children. Um, So for her, it's really been being clear about what is factual. Like me and your dad are not going to get back together. Although my hope is that we're friends and we're going to raise you together and we're going to talk to each other about you and your future and your life. That's what we're here to do. But this expectation that you have that if we all live together, we're going to be happy, happily ever after. That's not real. Yeah. As much as it hurts to tell her that it's reality. And that that's been my biggest thing since this is being a hundred percent realistic with her expectations as it relates to my relationship with her father or anyone else. Yeah. I think that's really important because you, you want to just be, you don't want, I mean, you don't want them to be hit with surprises. So it's like, I have to be honest with you as hard as it is to have this conversation. This is the reality. This is where we're at. So yeah, I think that's super, super important. So let me ask you this now. Um, Obviously, a lot of your time and your energy has to go into making sure she's in the best situation possible and she has all that she needs. But what do you do other than therapy to like really, really take care of yourself, to give yourself that time? That's a struggle. Um, I, I honestly have a tendency. I am a workaholic, so that's first and foremost. And I'm a person who has a tendency to compartmentalize things that are going on in my life. So when this all occurred, I delved face first into work, and that became my focus 100% of the time so that I didn't deal with what was going on in my personal world. And... I also wasn't as emotionally open as I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, Vulnerability is something that I had to work on and work through, and which has helped me to really heal um, by voicing and sharing my experiences with not only my therapist, but with my friends and my family or anyone else that was was interested. It really has helped me to heal. And by doing that, and then when she's gone, because she has one week with me, one week with her father, I plan around those weeks. But when she's not with me, I intentionally do things that are for me. Mm-hmm. Whether it's with my sister or my mom or my friends or whatever it is, there's something that I'm doing that I have specifically planned for. Even if it's just laying in the bed and catching up on like TV, that is my time. And I never had that time before. And so I appreciate that time and it gives me an opportunity to reflect, an opportunity to be grateful, to express that gratitude, and it gives me an opportunity to start the next day or the next week on a more positive note. Yeah, I love that. I think that's awesome. So you have, um, obviously, with everything going on in the world these last few months, what was it like, like, once quarantine hit? Like, was it, I'm sure that had to complicate the situation a little bit. Yeah, when quarantine hit, you know, um, my daughter started, you know, the virtual learning, and we were all within the home together, you know, and so helping her through school was this, 
definitely a challenge because I've always, I've worked for home, from home for quite some time for the majority of the time. So for me, that much hasn't changed. Just the amount of workload increased because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But so difficult juggling my job and her schooling and having to assist with navigating a system that maybe I put in place at home and ensuring that there's consistency and structure for her in her dad's home. So that really is what one of the things that we really had to work on, I'm going to say beginning in March, when virtual learning began. Mm-hmm. And so that opened the door for many more conversations about how we can be on the same and learning to agree or disagree, which is something we're still working through. But it's all, again, it's all a process. There will be ups and downs. It's never going to be perfect. Um, but the point, the point is that we're always consistently focused on her. Yeah, as long as that's the main focus, it sounds like the rest will figure itself out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's so interesting. So um, I want to go back to, you mentioned that um, you met someone that is, that is really important to you. Mm-hmm. And um, can you talk a little bit about how that has impacted your your process, like post divorce? Yeah, absolutely. So I met someone that was very special to me. Nothing like me. Nothing like me at all. Um, and I think that listening to that perspective has really propelled and really, uh, I'm going to say, advanced radically my growth and my progression in my healing process. I have never met a person that is so inspirational, so motivational, so positive to the point where I think, um, I know the phrase that I hear most often is life is easy, right? And I, you know, before that, I know that life is not easy. It's, it's hard. I honestly used to tell my daughter that. But the point of it all is when you're thinking positively and you're thinking about things that you wish to bring to fruition into your life if you think that life is easy you can overcome anything that comes before you and that has really really helped me get through some of the scenarios that I've been in for the last year or so um to the point where I do have like I have my therapist and I have this this person as well and when there are things that happen in my life that are beyond my control, beyond the point where I feel like I can handle it alone, it gives me peace to know that I can rely on this person for prayer. Mm. Not only will he pray for me, but prays with me. So there's a spirituality there that I have never experienced before, um, intuitiveness that I have never experienced before, but just a desire to make sure that I am spiritually okay, which is going to help me really get through my day to day. Yeah, that's really big. Yeah, that's really changed me. And so do you, like, when I think about um, my breakup and how I was at the time and how I am now, how much I've changed, there are so many things that... um, that are now like non-negotiable for me, right? Like making sure I don't lose myself, making sure I'm being clear about what I want, that um, I'm not playing a role 
you know, a role that I've assigned to myself of what I think this person needs me to be. Um, those are all things that like I really, really carry with me every day now as I date, as I, you know, meet new people. Um, do you feel, do you have some like big lessons that you've taken from your marriage, from your divorce that you now kind of apply to your day to day? Absolutely. Trust is a huge thing for me. And that was, you know, pre-marriage, during the marriage and after. And I think for me, I compromised a lot when I was married. So now that I'm not there anymore, it's even more important for me to voice when I do have a concern or when there's something that's on my gut, like I have to trust my gut. And it may not be that what I'm thinking and I'm feeling is, is, is actual, but the most important thing is that I open the door for dialogue. Mm-hmm. So that's one of those things that is a non-negotiable for me, that we have to be in a place where we can have those conversations. I no longer want to be in a relationship where I have to send an email for you to hear me out or continually revisit the same conversation, not even sure that you heard what I had to say. Communication has to be the utmost important thing in order for me to be happy in any sort of relationship. And the person really understanding, like, my love language and communicating to me in a way on a daily basis kind of what it is that they need from me and what I need from them and what I mean to them. Feeling appreciated at all times. That's super important for me. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, I don't have kids yet, but I feel like knowing what's important to me, what's non-negotiable, it just has to make you a better parent. Yeah. It absolutely does. And and my daughter understands that too. And that's one of the, the, the things that we have between the two of us. She really does hate for me to question things about if she tells me something and I have a question, she doesn't like it when she feels like I don't trust her. Mm-hmm. And so we have to have those discussions where, you know, it's important for mom to really understand and know the truth about certain scenarios. If you come to me with an issue, it's because it's for a reason and you know that I'm going to react. So if you're telling me something that's not true, just think about what the outcome could be if I, you know, respond in, the, in an inappropriate way to something that you told me that was not true. Mm-hmm. So it's important to have that trust. And if you're not sure about something, tell me you're not sure. But we need to have that trust between you and I where I can understand what's happening in your life and I can assist you appropriately and give you what you need because you trusted me with what was on your heart. Yeah, I really like that. Um, so it's it's almost been an I feel like these these hours go by so fast. Um but if you you know, if someone came to you now and they were um in a similar situation, right? And looking to you for guidance or advice. I want to look at it from from two sides. So A, um, someone who is feeling like they're not sure their their marriage is the best thing for themselves or for their family. Um, what advice would you give to, to that person? You have to communicate with yourself. And, but it's, it's a two-way street. Um, having the communication with yourself that you have concerns, but your spouse also has to be willing to receive 
the concern. And it's not necessarily a criticism. It just means that we are in a place where we need some help or we're not in the best place where we can be, but we can thrive together as partners in life and in our marriage and has to be open to change. No one person alone is what I've learned can alter the, the future direction of a relationship. It takes two people. Yeah. So I think having the right partner and trusting signs, for example, I think there were red flags for me at the very beginning. Um, but I think that I was in love and I disregarded the signs and I continued forward and I made excuses and eventually I lost myself. So it's important for you to keep your eye on you. And like a person, a friend said to me, the minute you feel like you're losing yourself, you have to let me know because the person that you are now is the person that I love. And I don't want that to ever change. Yeah, that's super important. So I love that. Um, now, if someone came to you, let's say, a little bit further along and was trying to figure out how to co-parent with their ex, you know, how to make the best of the situation and ensure that their children, their child was getting exactly what they needed, um, what, what guidance would you have for that person? That, too, comes along with you're going to have to have a great communication dialogue with your ex. And if that requires you seeking out help from a marriage counselor, a therapist, a mediator, there are so many uh, resources out there available to everyone to assist with those conversations. Do it. Take advantage of those resources to make sure you're doing not only what's best for yourself, but your child should be the priority. I've never been an advocate for... I'm going to say uh, not sharing custody with the father or with both parents because I think children need both. Yeah. And I think that's situational depending upon the dynamics in the family prior to the separation. But I believe, like, in my case, my daughter needs her father in her life just as much as she needs her mom in her life. So we have to truly at some point get together and agree that she is our number one priority whatever it takes to make sure that she's safe, that she's happy and she's well cared for, and that she has everything that she needs and is put in the best position so that she can thrive in her own life. Yeah. And, and you I, have to do yeah, it, It's always been said it takes a village, right, to help yeah. raise a family. And that is absolutely true. And I, I believe that, but I 1,000% believe in that now going through what I'm going through. Um, because you need help. You need different perspectives. And your child needs someone outside of the two of you, the mom and the father, to voice concerns to. So whether that's her therapist, whether that's her grandmother, her grandfather, her aunt, whomever it is that she trusts, she has to have that outlet and a person that she can trust with her feelings and her emotions where she can get those things off her chest and get a different perspective so that she can move forward as well and she can work on her personal healing. Yeah. And one thing that you said earlier too that I think um, is a huge takeaway from, from our conversation is, you know, you talked about like, unless it's something crazy <laughs> that's going on at, um, at the father's house, like 
you can't, you know, you don't get involved. Like it's kind of like you want to give both parents the respect to parent in the way that they think makes the most sense. As long as you know that their number one priority is the child. And when you trust that, you can trust the parent and give them that space. So I like that you said, you know, that you're putting it on on the two of them really to figure out whatever is going on and for her to have that conversation with her dad and not just run to you and expect you to be that buffer that you once were when you were together. Absolutely. Yeah, because that can cause a lot of confusion for the child. Yeah. And also make it really difficult for the other parent, right? Like you don't want... It's co-parenting, I think, is is difficult, right? And everyone has the, the child's best interest at heart and everyone is just doing what they think is best. The last thing you want is for one of the parents to feel like they're not trusted or every action that they take is being questioned, you know? Yeah, and we did go through that, honestly, Lori. We went through that in the very beginning. Um, but, you know, I had help. Yeah. Someone me I needed to let go of control and allow him to develop as a parent and allow her to develop a true singular relationship independent of me with her father yeah that's uh, I mean I think like you said getting help and, you know, not having to figure this all out on your own, whether you're leaning on your family, your friends, your pastor, your therapist, whatever, it's super important to get those outside perspectives um, so that you can get to a place where now you seem so much happier and more comfortable with your situation. And I understand it's always evolving and it's going to change every day. But as long as it's getting better every day, that's that's what matters. Absolutely. It absolutely is. And I think that the growth from both parties has a lot to do with it. And again, it can be great today and terrible tomorrow. But overall, I think both of us, her her father and myself, we've both grown. um, And we're going to continue to grow. And um, hopefully, we'll be able to partner better um, in ways that benefit our child in the long run. Yep, that's the most important thing. Thank you so much, Trish, for being so open, so honest, so vulnerable. I know it's such a personal topic, you know, and for you to be willing to have this conversation with me and obviously have our listeners listening. I really appreciate you um, being so open with us. Oh, no, thank you for having me. And honestly, my hope is truly and has always been you know, the vulnerability is something that's new for me, but I truly and sincerely hope that each time that I share even a little bit of my experience with someone else, that it helps them in their own personal journey. And I can tell you, there's, there are things that you've said that struck me. You know, I don't have kids yet, but I'm, I'm a woman and I've been in relationships that haven't worked out. And so just hearing another woman's story, I think you can always find little nuggets of information that help you see something clearer, help you realize something about yourself. Um, And that's why I'm such an advocate for just everyone sharing their stories. I feel like we all have so much to learn from each other. So I really, really, really appreciate you today. Thank you so much, Lori. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. It was a pleasure.
Good. I love it. So as always, if you have a friend or colleague that you think would have enjoyed today's topic, please let them know the show will replay next week. And remember, you can always catch up on past episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share the links on your social media. And also, please be sure to check out some of the other great shows. In our Radio Africa 1804 lineup, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m., we have Tande, which is hosted by Florence Camo. Monday through Friday from 10 to 12, we have The Daily Fuel, which is hosted by Ralph Daly. Monday through Saturday from 1 to 2, we have Midi Connaissance, which is hosted by Florence Camo. Mondays and Tuesdays at 2 o'clock, we have Yonsi Cosé, which is hosted by Fred Stanfield. Monday and Wednesdays at 6 p.m., we have Thoughts and Tea, which is hosted by me. Thursdays from 4 to 6, we have Jeudi Détente, which is hosted by Pachuco. Fridays, 8 to 9, we have Monsi Kaba, hosted by Alix Saint-Cyr. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m., we have Food d'État, which is hosted by Diana Nicholas. Saturdays at 10 a.m., we have Causerie Holistique, which is hosted by Enol Millien and replayed on Sundays at 8 p.m., And Saturdays at 11, we have the Yolande Smith Show, which is hosted by Yolande Smith. If you have any thoughts or comments and questions about what we talked about today, please feel free to message me on Facebook at Lori Lee Camo or on Instagram at Lori Lee underscore. Thank you so much for listening um, and we'll be back next week.